0: podcast from january 23rd 2019 i'm tom
1: and i'm stefan and on today's episode we are going to talk about our cnc
0: yeah okay okay whatever whatever don't care uh you're going to murph that is that is fantastic awesome to have you with me
1: yeah i finally decided to go to murph <laughs> it has been taking me a while you have been like kicking me for, for weeks you. and yeah. weeks others have been asking me will you go to murph and i finally made up my head and i thought yeah don't be that shy and just just go there you'll regret it after uh, otherwise yeah and
0: I've, I've regretted the years before where it didn't go and yeah it's just such a good event um i'm really hoping i'm gonna see some of, of you guys listening right now on the event that's i think that's one of the best things about it just it's just, just such a nice casual hangout, right?
1: Yeah, lots of nerds, hopefully. <laughs> oh, yeah,
0: we got plenty of those. Uh,
1: yeah, and we, we'll actually... So I booked the same flight as you did. I booked the same hotel um, in which you're also staying. Uh, I hope you, I can join you in the car from Chicago to uh, Goshen. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I kind of rental, have to work, walk.
0: Uh, supposedly last year there was some sort of shuttle service where, where someone had a, a, like a seven seater and, and driving people back and forth. Um, maybe, maybe I'll post the, um, the dates and and times when we're coming in and flying back just in the, in the notes below. And if someone needs a ride from the airport, I guess we've got, we've got five seats usually. So we still have three, if, if, well, if three people want to cram in the back of the car, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, so that's, we're going to be there uh, Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday, so we're going to do the full event. Last year I kind of messed up my booking, I, I didn't realize there was something happening on Friday night, but apparently that's like the pre-show where everyone gets to know each other, and that's, um, yeah. I missed out on that. <laughs> Not this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Stephanie,
0: you, you were also kind of mentioning you would like to go to Bay Area Maker Fair.
1: Yes, I was really thinking. Thinking about going to Bay Area Maker Fair because I just love being in California. I love the countryside. I love the people there. But yeah, it's already in May, so I don't know if I can make that because just like normal work also requires me to be there from time to time. Uh, well, we'll see. New York Maker Fair would also be another event, which which is um, I think later later that year. Kind of a bit later that year so yeah maybe this year i'll actually go to more than just like i haven't been on a maker fair before actually on the even well especially in or munich.
0: <laughs> especially the big ones yeah the the munich maker fair um is it called maker fair make whatever make, make munich yes 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 munich. uh licensing or whatever i don't know um because maker fair is actually a trademark by um the make magazine yeah <laughs> so um yeah, it doesn't compare. I mean, the the small maker fairs are nice. The Make Munich, I've been there the last four years or so. It's it's nice. It's nice. It's nice and compact. But really, if you're just strolling through, you're not going to spend more than half a day there. It's not really something that is you know all that massive in scale. But the Bayer Maker it Fair, it's literally I think it's like eight, nine, or ten times as big as something like the the Make Munich, which is already a, a rather large fair, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely worth it. I would like to check out the New York Maker Fair too. Um, I've heard it has a bit of a different vibe than the Bay Area Maker Fair, which I've been to last year. Um, Have you
1: already been to the New York Maker Fair? I have
0: not. I've been to New York before, but not to to the Maker Fair.
1: Well, at least for three D printing, I I guess the New York Maker Fair might be a little bit more interesting because, like the Silicon Valley of three D printing, is more on the East Coast. uh, Oh, MakerBot, right? That's
0: that's where it's where it started from. Um, yeah, didn't didn't Prusa announce something last year? Was it was it the SL1 that they announced on the New York Maker Fair? Ooh! But yeah, lots of lots of big stuff happening there.
1: I guess it wasn't at Birmingham, but I'm
0: I'm not sure. Or
1: was it the Prusa? Was it the
0: there? the multi material was Birmingham? Uh,
1: I don't know. <laughs> so Sorry. many fairs, yeah,
0: yeah, so, so much stuff happening, yeah. And there is apparently a. Not during the TCT in Birmingham, there is apparently a smaller meetup, I mean, we know about the 3D Meetup Sweden, Um, we know about uh, the East Coast Rap Rap Festival in the US, and um, apparently last year, either I've missed it or it was just really small, there is now a 3D Meetup.uk on May 18th and 19th. Uh, In Birmingham, probably not in the same venue that TCT is gonna be in, but... um, nonetheless Birmingham UK has an airport (laughs) Goshen Indiana does not have an airport (laughs) just saying
1: yeah I'll see if how much I like it and how many more of these events I can really cram into this year yeah I
0: mean they do add up in in like the time you invest in them it's It's more than just the weekend you're there. It always stretches out to at least five days of actual effort. And if you actually want to shoot videos there, it it gets even more involved. So, yeah, it would be nice if we could go to to each and every single one, but it's just not not
1: realistic. (laughs) Going to work uh, at some point. (laughs) That's the thing.
0: Actual work, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I've been seeing that you have been uh, working with eagle again doing some pcbs
0: yeah yeah i mean i've i've, I've no eagle for or i've known eagle for many years i've used it just for pcbs and stuff and just after a while i, I picked it up again i was like ah you know I've, I've got this it's over there somewhere this you know jumper wired prototype pcb and it's really ugly and it doesn't actually work let me you know maybe make a real pcb for this and yeah, Eagle still works the same way. It looks kind of weird when you open it up the first time because now it has, like, the, the Autodesk uh, style to it and, and different launcher. and uh, But it still works the same way. And, I mean, PCBs... I enjoy getting nice PCBs made, um, like Oshpark PCBs are just... Mm, fantastic stuff. Um, but also they're expensive if you, if you want larger ones. Then there's... Um, Dirty PCBs, dirty cheap PCBs from uh, Shenzhen somewhere. Well, China somewhere. I don't know if it's Shenzhen particularly. Um, And they are, what, 15 bucks for 10 PCBs of up to 10 by 10 centimeters, 4 by 4 inches. And that is a fantastic deal. And they're okay PCBs, but they just take one and a half months to get to you. So it's one of those things where you order and it just slows down your project.
1: Well, on that point, actually, a friend of mine just had been ordering a couple of PCBs from JLCPCB. Oh, yeah, the guys that that
0: want to sponsor everyone,
1: right? (laughs) Well, they're at least sponsoring uh, Great Scott quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I've got like 10 emails from them in in my inbox as well. (laughs)
1: Um, And well, it didn't really take him that long, like just a couple of days until they arrived. So he had been ordering them and like a week later, he had the PCBs great quality and he didn't spend that much money it was like just 20 bucks or not even more yeah i'm gonna have so, to look that up yeah um i guess that's still a pretty good option because uh, where else do you get a pcb or 10 pcbs for like under 20 bucks
0: yeah of course we have like the the big pcb pool um companies in, in germany that uh, will make one-off pcbs for you as well but they're like 70 80 bucks for a single pcb that size for one not 10. Yeah. so that's i mean if you're if your business if you're a big uh, corporation i guess business doesn't cut it anymore at that scale it doesn't matter if that thing is like five or 60 bucks it's a prototype mm-hmm. right it's it's in the budget but for first makers it it does make a thing or a dent in the budget if mm-hmm. you pay that much for a single pcb that, that costs more than every other component we use <laughs> Yeah, so J, J- PCB, right? JLC PCB. JLC, the
1: J PCB company. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know who I'm speaking about, just watch Great Scott's video. <laughs> yeah. They are linked there. Um uh, yeah, and yeah, one So, of the... so ha- have you been mm-hmm. learning designing PCBs at university or because no. this is really something I just don't really know how to do them i was using fritzing like five or six years ago which is like the um easy version of designing crude pcbs but it's nothing compared to um eagle
0: yeah so no actually designing PCBs is not something, at least in a, in a mechatronics degree, you, you learn. So uh, as with most other things I know, it's its basically self-taught. It's from the internet, um, tutorials, videos, trying things out, failing at things and, and redoing it, um, learning the hardware, basically. Mm. I did get some um, like professional input while I was working at, at Harman. Um, we weren't I mean, we were just doing schematics and PCBs would be um, just one guy that just did PCBs and that really had his stuff down. But it was also like eight layer PCBs and BGAs and stuff that you don't really want to route as a hobbyist. No. Um, so I, I learned a bit there, just the basic mindset and basic ruleset, but it's, it's not that hard. It's just basically a basic craft like everything else.
1: Well, for a mechanical engineer, electronics is already like a, in Germany, you would say, ein Buch mit sieben Siegeln, like something really hard and at least understand electronics a bit, but designing PCBs is just another way forward.
0: Yeah. Well, there's, there's two things to it. There's first of all, getting the circuit. To work, um, which usually is just, you know, you look at if you have some sort of IC, you look at the reference, uh, the reference circuit in the data sheet and, and just kind of copy that and, and change one or two uh, resistors and that's it. Um, and then the other one is actually making the PCB. So those those are actually pretty separate tasks. But it's not that hard. And I mean, Eagle is free, PCBs, yeah. ify, if you want a physical thing, it's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. And start small. Start with something like oh, I'm gonna am gonna show this thing again, and people will be like, ah, oh, please make a video about it. But it's it's currently I don't I don't even know where the firmware is. This thing has like ten components on it. Super simple thing. Auto router. Um, you don't even have to paint or draw the traces yourself. The software does it for you. Super simple.
1: But you're also working on your mostly printed CNC, so this would also be an option to like make crude PCBs. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So I, I still have the converted Mendel Max CNC, yeah. um, and that's with my partner one right now. He offered to to mill some PCBs for me, and with I'm right now. I'm just figuring out what the best way is to translate a Eagle, uh, well, an Eagle schematic or Gerber files into mm-hmm. G code, into a millable G code that you can use a, a v groove router bit uh, with to mill out the traces. And I've not found much yet, so. Stefan, I assume you've not done much PCB routing either.
1: I have done actually PCB you routing have? like four or five years ago I designed a a control circuit for a barbecue smoker.
0: Wow, oh, <laughs> nice. So you do <laughs> to, have to some get, PCB experience.
1: Yeah, I do have some PCB experience I, and I routed that myself on my, on my wooden CNC router. Uh, but the thing is with routing CNCs you don't really have cutting forces so like Every three D printer will be usable for C N C routing because um, it's it's that easy for the bits, and even a th- uh, a three D printer would actually be more uh, suitable for C N C for P C B routing because it doesn't have any backlash, and you have with yeah. these really small how do you say pitch distances. Or with your traces that are quite thin, you don't really want to have like big backlash because then um, they might not be there anymore. And um, not working with um, like um, trapezoidal uh, uh, with lead screws just removes uh, the backlash problem. So that's quite Absolutely, a, quite yeah.
0: Um, there, there is, I mean, if you're using the, the V-Groove bits, you're not seeing a ton of cutting forces. You're right. But um, with a 3D printer, if it's just a standard, if it's a relatively wobbly frame, you would mm. be worried about getting resonances and, and getting the bit bouncing around. Yeah. And that's not going to make for a clean cut because you, you do have to push it into your material, into your workpiece a mm. bit to get the bit cutting. Um so if it bounces around, either you're going to break the bit eventually, or it's not going to last as long, um, or it's just the routing result's not going to be as good. So y- you need a bit of rigidity for, for any yeah. sort of engraving or routing.
1: Yeah, but it's working pretty well. I don't really 100% remember how I did it at that point, but I have just been like exporting the DXF files from, uh, from fritzing with the traces, and then used, I think it was cut2D to like just go around these um, these traces and, and mill them out. And then I used an additional like one millimeter drill bits to drill out the holes, which was yeah. pretty handy because then you don't need to do that afterwards on a drill press. Yeah,
0: you, you have the CNC already, right? You change your yeah. tool and as long as you don't move an axis, it's perfectly mm-hmm. centered.
1: But this is actually one of the the things you really need to, to think about because in my old CNC router where I had the lead screws, it is kind of self-locking into position. So changing bits doesn't usually um, shift your homing position. Uh, but yeah. if you are using a normal 3D printer, uh, you should actually turn on your uh, stepper motors that um, oh, yeah, the definitely. X, Y um, homing position doesn't change.
0: Yeah, for sure for sure for sure um it's even like the the, the really small spindles i mean the, the the sort of 400 watt spindle that i'm going to be using on the mp cnc i think that is already a bit too large for a 3d printer to be chucked around because it is rather heavy it's like mm. a pound or something so it's you know it it does add a lot of weights that you don't necessarily need i think it's more it's more it's even yeah it's heavier than a pound well
1: whatever i have been using like a proxon Multi tool Dremel thing with over 150 watts. Dremel's a (laughs) trademark. (laughs) Uh, For ages, and that was working well for like soft woods and PCB routing and things like these. But yeah, changing my spindle to um, uh, a more beefier one was the right decision in the end if you want to work with metals.
0: Yeah, those those Proxon tools. I mean, they even make them with the 20 millimeter flange um with like the aluminum flange that you can actually clamp to things. Mm. So, it's it's almost like a real router. Yeah. I've gone through two of those and the bearings in the in the spindle just don't last. Yep. I might have been pushing it too much, but um well, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they, it's a tool. Yeah, the uh the on, on the Mendelmex. um and then I switched it out to one of those 400 watt spindles DC in that case. And yeah, that worked well after that. And I guess that leads us into the next topic for this one, and that is stepper motors or servos or trinamic in the this or that. Now the trinamics, why are the trinamics in here? Because they are kind of in between a stepper motor which has no feedback, so it the driver doesn't know what the motor is doing, and the servo where the driver is knowing everything that is happening on the end and can control the motor um, in that way. And the interesting thing is the dynamics the have a good understanding of what they're actually driving. Just like the brushless driver that I have for my MPC and C-spindle. I know that's that's a bit of an arc that I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to span here. <laughs> um but I, I, think I, I think I'll I think link it below, um, but for the MPCNC, I have a brushless spindle, and it has an RPM display with it. So it has, like, the driver, and it's, I guess it has a pulse output, and it comes with a little screen, so you can actually regulate the RPM, and it displays it, and I don't think it, it controls it. it, it keeps it steady, but at least it has that understanding, which stepper drivers don't necessarily have.
1: Well all the stepper motors we use for our 3d printers and well my other machines right here they're just um, open loop control they're just dumb motors uh you tell them okay go a step forward they go step forward if you like hold the axle in your motor um, the the driver or the motor itself just won't turn and you lose a step and this is one of the problems but um, for 3d printers it's working quite well the The forces are not that high. Um, You can tune them in a way that your motor is most of the time strong enough um, to not lose a step. Um, And if you're thinking about, if you are doing like a 24, 48 hour print or something like that, these stepper motors are doing like billions of small steps. And then they still know in the end their perfect position by... A hundredth of a millimeter, and that's always freaking me out.
0: On most prints, yeah. I've recently done uh, like a a, ma- a massive. I, I always make the same face when I bump my mic. Um, I've I've recently done like a massive print that was almost the f- entire volume of my CR10, and I think at hour forty-five or something, it skipped a step on the X axis. Which is, I mean, it doesn't matter on that print because it's it's just a, a big block, anyways. But uh, it still happens. Yeah. it's it's not something that is that is completely out of the uh, out of the realm of possibilities. Um, the question, though, is: Are we holding ourselves back by using stepper motors and by not switching to something like a crap? What are they called? The little boards you put on the back of the of the stepper motors uh, that we use for the hang printer?
1: People are probably <laughs> shouting at us right now. Mm. <laughs> you're gonna tell me um well yes and no you you Uh, know which ones i mean right i know which one is to know but i don't know the name at it it
0: basically so it's a a small pcb you stick it on the back of your stepper motor and it turns it into a servo because you also glue a small magnet to your stepper shaft and that gets read out by a small read sensor hall sensor read no it's read it's just a switch the hall sensor yes um by a hall sensor on the pcb and the, the driver itself is on that pcb and it knows where the motor actually is so mm. that basically allows you to do so many more things it allows you to accelerate harder to um not worry about oh, can i can i tune my jerk value to that or do i have to to limit my acceleration to to something less you you're losing so much of your stepper motor's capability by limiting in limit uh, by limiting it to those set accelerations and, and, and you know speeds could we be printing way faster and, and, and way more aggressively with something that has feedback
1: maybe yes and no I don't know I I, um, I think there is kind of a limit also with the rigidity of the machine yes you can print faster but then your print quality is degenerating um, so at least in hobby machines, I don't really see a big benefit, especially if you also take a look at the cost of these systems, because they just make stepper motors like almost by order of magnitude more expensive.
0: Yeah, but that—that's i think that's just a scale thing. Um, because he, for a stepper motor, you still need drivers, and if you yeah. have just your servo that takes step direction and, and cut out your Lego driver chip entirely and, and integrated, I don't think it's going to add that much if you're making millions of those. And but the, the yeah. stepper motors were the same way. Stepper motors have come down tremendously in price mm. since uh, since I started out 3D printing. Mm.
1: But the thing is, um, well, they'll st- just normal stepper motors will still be cheaper in the end. So um, why not just put a, a bit bigger stepper motor on your 3d printer and then not worrying about feedback loops and everything instead of having like a smaller machine with feedback but that's just more expensive but doesn't really give you that much benefits or what do you think well
0: well will they will the stepper motor actually be cheaper um because the thing is right now we're we're oversizing everything we're oversizing the stepper motors um most stepper motors that have the, like the standard 40 millimeter length, you don't actually need that long of a motor. Um, a 25 millimeter or 20 millimeter unit even would provide you the same amount of torque and the same amount of reliability, and it's just a lot less material that you're using. You lose easy, uh, you're using less copper, you're using less iron, um, and that naturally at scale is going to make the motor cheaper. And Experience shows that electronics usually are one of the cheapest things um, in an assembly, and if you go two volumes, um, then you know something that is literally just dead weight is going to just pile up in cost and shipping. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I think I definitely see that possibility that we are going to see um, servo motors with a, a motor that is actually more closely matched to its to, to what it's actually driving and and mm-hmm. more more uh it's using more of its capacity instead of a stepper motor that is just oversized to hell and just sits there um for the one occasion where it maybe might need its its power because we're not optimizing right Hmm.
1: well we can already see that in professional machines they usually have um, servo motors in there 2d printers inkjet 3d printers 2d Okay, yeah, well, yeah, you have these, in, in, in normal printers, you have these, yeah. like, uh, plastic discs with stripes on there for the decoder. Yep. Yeah, they're using that. You're right. And they're not expensive.
0: <laughs> well, how much how much of that is actually going into the machine cost and how much they're recuperating from ink cost, um, I mean, that's that's an entire <laughs> different uh, yeah. discussion, but... I don't yeah. want to
1: start on that topic. It's just um, a small
0: DC motor and the encoder, and that that makes it a servo, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah, but still, I I think it just adds complexity, and for cheap printers, reducing complexity is something which is making the machine easier. And if it's working out, and especially for three D printers, if you really know what loads you will have during your printing process, because the loads you have are just the accelerational acceleration loads of your print ahead and your print bed, plus a margin of safety, um, you can size them pretty well. But you have already been talking about the dynamic drivers, and they do something in between. They get kind of a feedback or they are monitoring the stepper motor um, a bit and that uh, changes this system from an open loop control system to a kind of a closed loop control system, not a hundred percent a servo motor, but it's getting in that direction and it's not adding complexity to the motor itself. And I think this is something pretty interesting and we can already see the use of, of these features in like end-stopless palming, in jam detection um, and everything which is also um, connected to that.
0: Yeah, um, what the dynamic drivers can actually do and that is actually very close to um, the method that servos use to kind of maintain their position because the, the challenge in, in essence is how do you, keep track or, or keep the actual position exactly where your set position is. So if that drifts too much, if that the motor can't keep up and you get to that full step position, then your, your stepper motor is going to step. Is, is, yeah. Your stepper motor is going to skip wh- whereas the server is going to pick it up and make up for that. Now what a trinamic driver can do is because it, it has that um, that knowledge or knowledge that, that sensing uh, I should just restart this podcast because I'm messing up so much this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the trinamic drivers have that that means of sensing what the motor is doing and how far offset it is from that set position. So if it gets further behind where it's supposed to be, it can do things like increase current. Mm. Um, and that kind of sh- scoots it back up to where yeah. it's supposed to be. So it's it's it does some sensing and... It also does the the step loss detection, but the problem is once it the motor starts losing or it loses its first step, um, then it's really hard to really keep track of how many more steps it, it keeps losing because the current's not going to be enough to keep um, to keep it exactly where it's supposed to be. Mm. So it 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 can't recover, but it can sense what's going on and it can kind of prevent uh, skipped steps from happening. Uh, now. The the reason why I put this topic in here is, is I've been toying with the idea of building just the, the mega printer. Um, building a printer that is so powerful in its linear motion and so rigid um, that it is not going to need things like acceleration. Um, because in essence, if you look at your print and you have, say, a Bowden system that is basically more of a pressure fit uh, system and you have low accelerations, you're always well even if with high accelerations you're always gonna see that that material over deposition on the ends where where it slows down, but there's still pressure in your in your bone tube and in your hot end, and I mean that's the reason why you get blobs at the um you know at, at certain bits and why why you need retractions if you had something that just <laughs> that just keeps the tool head speed one hundred percent constant all the time um possibly even at a high at a relatively high speed you're not going to have to worry about hot-end lag or, or retractions or anything like that anymore because it's just going to be a super smooth, consistent position of material, which is the fused deposition <laughs> modeling. But I don't know. it, it It's definitely not going to happen with stepper motors. Um, I, I see no way that those are going to be able to to keep up with something like that. So maybe, maybe, you know, again that idea, are we limiting ourselves by just using open-loop steppers? Um, I I would say yes, we are.
1: Yeah. Um, But again, to to your point, then the the mass of the print head and the rigidity of the machine, they also come into play again and might ruin some of the benefits of your fast printing. Um, Yeah, maybe we are limiting ourselves a bit. um, But still, I think the printers are quite good... Well quite well tuned at the moment. so the question is how much do you well how high is the effort to get to that position and how much do you really gain from that?
0: That is true. that yeah. is true and and is it is it that point that of course a lot of people will disagree with? Is it like, hey, are we are we not already good enough? is you know <laughs> even the the cheapest printers are they are the machines themselves? now not the limited anymore. Are mm-hmm. you know are the users now the limit? Because yeah. they, they don't put the machines to good use. Yeah. That is true. Of course yeah. as an engineer you kind of always look at hey how we how can we push this further? Yeah. Um <laughs> but
1: yeah. So with 3D printers I haven't seen that much step losing um but with my cnc router with my old one and actually also with one with my new one which even uses nema 23 step motors, i have the problem of losing steps quite often and for cnc routing that can be quite fatal because that leads to crashes of your tool into your uh, metal part and That does not only sound really bad, it also can (laughs) hurt you and uh, destroy the whole machine. So um, with like cheaper CNC routers, I would see it as a huge benefit of having this, um, well, closed loop system, really servo motors in there and avoiding losing steps and therefore avoiding crashes and making your parts uh, better in the end. And they're, since they're still mostly more expensive than, um, than 3D printers, I would pay a little bit more to have servo motors in there, but it's not that common. Even Even on like medium expensive machines, they often just use really beefy stepper motors
0: yeah um i've actually looked into that in in that entire research for what could be the ultimate machine they actually make drop in nema 17 and nema 23 servos that basically just get a step in direction and they have the same bolt pattern you just you give them power step in direction and they you know they're a bolt-in replacement for your nema Mm. 23 um steppers and they're the 23s are actually cheaper than the nema 17s i guess it's just again volume Really? Um, I think that they're around 60, 70 bucks per piece. Ah, Okay. Which isn't that bad. No. I think. Because a NEMA 23 stepper motor is is already more expensive than a NEMA 17 by far. Um,
1: And just like ruining one of your like CNZ jobs might even cost you more than the 70 bucks there. If you have like a bent spindle, a Bruins expensive carbide tool, and all of the things that are connected to that. And yeah. For seeing, seeing, it's always the thing you do not really know in the first place how high your forces will be that oh, you, you get during the, the machine math, process. Yeah,
0: you could simulate but yeah.
1: <laughs> it, but it's it's not as as simple as with three uh, D printers.
0: Right, right, and yeah, as you mentioned the the like the risk involved of a skipped step. If you lose a skip in a uh, if you lose a step in a three D printer, like okay, your print's gonna be shifted whatever, you're going to reprint it. It's not going to permanently harm anything. It's just going to use up a bit of plastic and that's it. Um, with a CNC, at the very least, you're going to snap your bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is not that bad if it's small, but the bigger ones, they are expensive and they can uh, yeah bends.
0: which i mean it's it's the machine. reason why professional cncs come in an enclosure with like half inch uh polycarbonate <laughs> sheets on on the ends and sometimes on those machines you actually see you know small holes in them where it's like oh you can see that's that's actually a part that shot through and got caught in that in that uh, polycarbonate sheet and it's it becomes more of an issue if you have like larger tools and more powerful spindles that can actually shoot a part out of the vice and into the <laughs> into the side of the machine it's not uncommon that's why you have enclosures on the smaller machines it's still it's still risky it's still like using a, a laser cutter without an enclosure right it's still not perfectly safe
1: it's not perfectly safe but it's it's always a nice feeling having like your own CNC part in the end oh, yeah. um or just like, watching your CNC router make chips and not sounding horrible. I enjoy it, and I was really missing that.
0: Yeah, um, and for for me, I mean, the, the MP CNC is still waiting to be built, I'm I'm just trying to find the, the right time for that. Uh, now the taxes are done. Yes!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also just got my tax report today. <laughs> Yay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, now it's time for me to start of 2018. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. yeah, that's probably one of the most boring topics to talk about, so let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, MPCNC, all the parts are here, everything's printed, just waiting to be built.
1: Cool. Um, just one small question regarding that, will you be using Gerbil or will you be using uh, like uh, Linux CNC?
0: I'll be using the Duet 3D. Ah, yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you told me that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: trinamic drivers, NEMA 23 capable, we're using NEMA 17s, but... Yeah, do-it board. I don't know if it's a waste to put that for into a CNC, but why not use it? It's got well, the most powerful drivers I have on any board, so <laughs> it can't yeah. hurt on a CNC.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, better overpower your, your stepper motors. Yeah. All right, yeah. so topic of the week. Y- you just said that you had been uh, outside with a dog and thought about the world and everything. <laughs> and you thought about if 3d printing made the world a better place can you Mm. just talk about that for a couple of seconds that we can get into that conversation
0: cool so basically the argument that you're going to hear from a lot of people that that see 3d printing from the outside and also from the inside where, where people you know print stuff and uh you know actually look back at what they've printed is like 3d printing is fantastic yeah but is it really something that is moving mankind forward human humankind people kind um or is it just another thing that people can waste their money on and create uh create more more trash that they're going to throw away with you know import printers that who knows are going to be built under what conditions that use metal and plastic and electronics and use up resources and then they use the plastic and uh you know use up valuable oil-based products basically um and create more plastic waste. And yeah, the the question is overall, I mean, I'm sure there are way more people that are just buying a 3D printer and printing like little gadgets and trinkets off of Thingiverse than there are people actually getting a 3D printer and putting it to good use. So, overall, has do do the pros outweigh the cons? Are we part of something good here? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so trash is always a thing. Um, but there are great applications for 3D printing and um, fidget spinners aren't one of these great applications. Absolutely, But even though many of these things uh, or many people just buy a 3D printer, download things on Thingiverse and print them out, um, it has opened the possibility for engineers to get their ideas much faster into a product Uh, and if you're taking a look at prosthetics for example um, these things were horribly expensive in the past and 3d printing might be a possibility to make these things cheaper and more accessible uh, especially if you're not taking a look at like europe or the usa Because if you have the print files available, uh, you can print them anywhere for like no money at all in the end um, and give capability back to people that, well, they didn't have before.
0: Yeah, um, but it's, it's, it's not just about the ability to now make things more freely and not have to pay for uh you know a company's patents and stuff and, and and pay that ridiculous markup that many medical products have um 3d printing i think is great where it's one-off parts because if it's just if it would just be you know uh, uh let's say a standard arm pr- 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 prosthesis pr- prosthetic uh, prosthetic part
1: prosthetic
0: somebody loses their hand from the from the hand joint if that was just the wrist that's that's the word i'm looking for somebody lost a hand from the wrist wrist if that was like a a standard application you could injection mold every single part Mm -hmm. right you could just make a mass manufactured thing but then again not every person is the same um and 3d printing is is great for that because it allows you to customize every single part you make um which is again something that injection molding doesn't do unless you're also starting machining on the end uh, product then but yeah, that, that that capability of making things that are specifically catered towards what you need. Mm. And we've touched on that before. Like, you know, uh, did we did we talk about that on the podcast? No, we talked about that before, right? Where it's what are people actually using these machines for and how many <laughs> are putting them to use?
1: <laughs> yeah, but this is one thing customizability of parts making parts um really in the way they are needed in the color they are needed um and well accessible all over the world and this is something something really great but also um it's well you you see that on on television at the moment three D printing is not only like printing plastics maybe we start three D printing houses uh, later if you take a look at I'm still not uh,
0: convinced <laughs> about that
1: <laughs> if you're taking For various a look reasons. at at about mooning or Mars um, uh, projects thinking about like three D printing or building shelters from the materials that are available there and maybe this is also something a thing a a thing that might be might be feasible for the future and make things more affordable or even possible i don't know
0: yeah okay so so first of all the 3d printing houses thing uh (laughs) (laughs) that is that is a very well marketed story and and narrative because what what people are being told is like hey you can 3d print this thing for what four and a half k uh and then you've got this house but basically that is just a concrete shell that you're getting you could you could cast that thing for way less and and have the same result it's not having it's it's not got any insulation it's not got any electrical plumbing it doesn't even have floors in it uh it doesn't have any furniture finishing nothing it is literally just the concrete slab that costs that much or the concrete Great Tube industrial look. Say again,
1: great industrial look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if you
0: want to live in, in the in a box with nothing in it, then I mean, the, I'm sure there are better options to achieve yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so the 3D printing houses thing. Ah, yeah, sorry. I, I feel like there are better ways to to achieve that with like prefab and and, and all that. That's that's coming along. Um,
1: but also, well, speaking about wasting um, resources. 3D printing can also be used to save resources because, um, for example, I'm a mechanical engineer working kind of in a machining shop. If we like machine a part um, out of metal, we usually take away like 70, 80, 90% of the material that was the rough part before. Even though 3D printing also does not create the final part in the end, but um, kind of the only thing you need to do is um, creating the rough external part, like taking 10% of the material away, and then you have your finished part. And you can reuse all the powder that was still in the machine and create a new part out of that. Yeah, Yeah, metals are recycled metals are recycled but still um, you don't need to use as much material in the first place um, compared to conventional methods and this is also not like 100% true because also like making powder for metal machines uh, wastes or takes a lot of energy you have different steps you did not need with conventional parts before Uh, but I guess it's getting into the right direction and also (sighs) <sighs> it's not printing houses, but printing food. Um, guys uh, who, who might be doing space travel uh, later, uh, they don't want to eat and drink just juices and pastes in the end. So you can have like some raw parts and create um, like chewable, recognizable things out of these generic parts. This is also 3D printing might make them more happy in the end uh also an application i don't know <laughs> it's <laughs> i'm getting a little bit off here
0: yeah well i mean the, there's, there's so much that is hype and, and marketing mm. and kind of over how do you call it over hype basically yeah again 3d printing food uh as with any 3d printing process the materials that you get out of the process are the same ones you put in it's just in a different shape so if you have you know, if you want to print a burger, you're, you're going to have the same ingredients as with a normal burger somewhere. It's just, the machine is just assembling it. That's the core idea of a 3D print and, and everyone who's used the filament printer is going to know that if you put ABS filament in it, you're going to get an ABS part out of it. Um, but yeah, it. there, there are good applications. Uh, and the, the question is, how can we encourage those applications? How can we Keep people from from just downloading Thingiverse trinkets. not that thingiverse is a, is a bad site on the internet. it's actually fantastic, but and and I think that that part of of 3 d printing, where it's just the exploration and the the toying around with it is also very important because it it engages people and and kind of gets them hooked in the first place. but
1: yeah, this is one of the things we both are doing. We are showing what else can be done with 3D printing, besides printing fidget spinners or things like that. fidget Um, spinners
0: aren't even cool anymore.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm so, like, (laughs) 2017, or I don't know. Yeah. Um, It's a great tool. It's not, not only a great tool for engineers, because I would have loved to have such a tool, like, 10 years ago, when I was doing my bachelor's. Designing something, like, pushing a button in the end, and get a final part out of that. That's, that's great and this is something where 3d printing is so beneficial and is making me happier making me or enabling me to create parts iterate on my ideas um, and this is something cool but also take a look at designers. Um, there are lots of 3d designers out there who are doing their designs in um, on the PC in 3 in uh, 3d modeling software and things like these. It enables them to make physical objects um, out of their ideas which they had before and this is also something great and they can share it with the world yeah um it's that
0: i i guess it's a it's a common theme here is wherever people have the ability to design and and create those one-off parts and and mm. one of designs that's where it really clicks where it really makes sense so uh, whether it's cad whether that's uh you know sculpting on the pc whether it's making artistic things i mean even prop making yeah uh, 3d printing has quite the stigma in the in the prop making mm. uh, community because it's like oh you're not putting any work into that it just print um but it's it it's still super powerful. And 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 I mean that's the point, right? You, you just hit print. Yeah, you put the work in before on the on the mm-hmm. computer, but the process itself has become so much simpler versus manually I don't know how, how, how like sculpts or props are made. I don't know, cutting out cardboard shapes and then sculpting it over with uh, with clay or I don't know. Um, <laughs> it takes out that that manual labor intensive work. Are we are we killing jobs? Hold on. No, we're not.
1: No, no, okay. no, we're not. We're just shifting shop- jobs. Right, yeah. right. But maybe also one one thing which is really interesting to talk about is spare parts. Uh, one of my
0: absolutely yeah
1: most viewed videos is where I designed a replacement gear for a salad spinner salad dryer which yeah. was broken. Uh, took it apart, measured the gear in there, printed a new one in PLA (laughs) and it's working great ever since. Um, Otherwise I I would have thrown away the salad spinner. Um, Replacement parts are not readily available today for your household items, but this could be something in the future uh, where we could avoid making more waste, um, giving us the possibility to just print replacement parts not having to throw away the whole machine i don't know i think this this will also be something really great
0: yeah yeah uh, there's this one story that i've picked up once where it's um a guy had to justify buying a 3d printer to his wife Um, (laughs) and you know as as it goes as it goes he's looking for applications and uh one day his uh, hat rack, you know, one of those extendable hat racks that he have in, uh, what are they called? Station wagons. You US doesn't know them, they, they only drive the uh, limousine style. But um, the hat racks, the extendable ones that he clip in on, on either side, right? Um, and, you know, one of the clips broke on one side and it just, it, it wouldn't clip in properly anymore. They went to the dealer, they were like, hey, uh, you know can I get just this one end cap? And they were like, no, you have to buy the entire thing. And it was like 1200 euros. Uh, So yeah, calipers, drew up the thing, printed it, glued it on, perfect, works. Saved 1200 bucks, paid for the printer, basically justified it to to his wife and and saved on having to buy an entirely new unit just because a a little plastic tab broke out. Mm. So those sort of applications, Again, they, they they require CAD knowledge. They require being able to to customize your own parts. Um, I don't I don't know if it's going to be possible to to create like a library of, of replacement parts, um, unless there's manufacturers actually playing along with, mm-hmm. um, you know, appliance manufacturers that that publish a, a library of hey we've got this one pulley for this uh, for this washer that you could reprint if it breaks, mm-hmm. or we've got. You know this this bottom casing for whatever um that that you can print at home or at least can have printed out in a like a, a home depot or home improvement store mm-hmm. where they have a machine that is set up with that set of parts um that you can go and hit print and it, you, you stroll through the store 45 minutes later it, it comes out and it's, it's a perfect drop-in yeah. replacement
1: there there isn't something something dedicated for that but to be honest if you have a problem with one of your, for example, IKEA furniture parts, there is like ninety nine percent somebody else who already broke it, redesigned it, and put it on Thingiverse. So
0: most likely, yeah, yeah,
1: most likely. And also for for plenty of other things, I, I sometimes I'm sometimes really uh, stoked to see how many replacement parts are in there for for appliances. I I would would wouldn't have even known that. There are many people on the planet who own the same thing, so yeah. There's nothing dedicated for that yet. Business idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the, the, I mean, it's it's been it's been thought about and and I think even tried before. But the problem is always, hey, uh, are are we just gonna get copied somewhere? Is somebody just gonna grab our designs, you know, put them together, maybe mm-hmm. fill in the gaps, and then oh, there you go. There's an exact clone of this product that we spent uh months or years Mm -hmm. designing
1: well it's kind of bad for appliance manufacturers because they kind of want you to buy well new stuff um so if you're printing out replacement parts for uh for the machines yeah
0: it's not just appliance manufacturers it's it's that that entire idea of planned obsolescence right yeah here we go (laughs) down down the rabbit hole we go Three <sighs> D printers are horrible for that because if you give everyone, if you suddenly give everyone the, the ability to fix things mm. instead of buying new ones, mm. then you know what what's going to happen to our economy. One of our, our German ministers actually recently um, commented on uh, on the discussion about hey, should we be reusing more of our our plastic? Should we introduce you know the, the entire reusable plastic bags or cloth mm. bags, uh, shopping bags, and well, no. It, 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 I think it was deeper than that. I think it was was even the laptops' right to repair, something like that. And the comment was no, because economy, and I'd rather have the the Kreislaufwirtschaft, so like the th- circular um, recycling uh, economy. And that might be a structural issue that he can't really fight against with with giving people the ability to repair. Yeah. Then, well, and, then, and, and you know. Manufacturers aren't dumb either. They're, they're going to find new ways to keep you from uh, from using the same thing for longer.
1: Yeah. And to be honest, well, 3D printers and also the materials we are currently using are not always suitable for the applications and the loads um, that you also have in, in your appliances. Uh, yes, they are strong, but often they are not as strong as injection molded parts. If you don't have lot of knowledge but well you were talking about like um hardware stores you could have um, dedicated stores with proper machines and proper people who have knowledge about using these machines to create these replacement parts for you that they function the same way as the old part or even better because uh usually the parts that break they have kind of a design flaw
0: yeah, they break for a reason, right? If it's not your you kid knocking something down, um, usually it's because they, well, either they've been intentionally designed uh, with a weak <laughs> spot or just was an oversight in, in uh, design. Yeah. One thing I, I well, we, we've, we've touched on like making one-off custom parts, but just the entire idea of, of like making things pretty and making things look the way you want i think that that is that is incredibly powerful as well um for for acceptance of various things uh like prosthetics um but also people have been using it for for uh light switch plates printing printing custom parts that that is you know, it might not be, you know, from, from an engineering standpoint, it might not be something that is really uh, pushing society forward and, and, and enabling new things, but it's it still makes people happy, right? And and isn't, isn't that worth something as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we have already been touching a little bit that if you have a 3D printer, it's good if you know CAD. Um, 3D printing, even though it's really accessible at the moment, is something that, even though it's accessible at the moment, is still something you need kind of a knowledge, and that is kind of gets me into our question section, where totally glicht glicht for, totally glicht for asked about um, research groups and education programs about uh, additive manufacturing, and I just want to, want to talk briefly about that since. Um, I kind of do lots of research projects with other German institutes and universities. And for the last 10 years, there have, have been many, uh, well, programs been set up at university and institutes that, Um, really go into details about additive manufacturing. And um, if you are a student at the moment doing your bachelor's or if you're still a student in school, um, there are many programs around where you can get really deep knowledge in additive manufacturing. So I can only talk about Germany right here. Uh, In Munich, there's something, the University of Paderborn is doing lots of things. The um, uh, University in Hamburg together with the... um, with the Fraunhofer, um, uh, I- IAPT, um, Aachen. They are doing lots of uh, photonic research, laser research, additive manufacturing. So there are many programs at the moment around where you can get deep knowledge in 3D printing and, um, well, helping in the development of 3D printing for the future. So, yeah, if you are interested in that, just research a little bit there are lots of programs available here in germany and i'm quite sure also anywhere else on the world at the moment
0: yeah do you do you know how they tie into like a regular degree is it like a an extra thing you you take on or does it give you ects points or how how integrated is that
1: many of the guys i'm i'm working with they are phd students so they are doing their phd in this uh, direction right um many have been studying uh, mechanical engineering before there are master degrees which are going in that direction um there are also master degrees in polymer um, techniques who go more into the direction of of additive manufacturing um yeah so there 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 are separate there are separate uh programs where you can also earn ect uh, ect points uh for for masters here in germany but um also if you want to well do your phd after that there are lots of institutes where you can uh uh where you can take a look at these things and if you are interested in that uh one venue which is always interesting to take a look at is is the form next in frankfurt every year because lots of these universities and institutes have booths there and talk about the things they do there and the fraunhofer institute is one of the it is probably the biggest research booth there uh, and they do everything it's great yeah fraunhofer does everything i
0: mean just in general
1: (laughs) yeah yeah so very nice Next question, Shane Duggar, uh, wouldn't ABS, so we have been talking about uh, ABS versus PETG in the last uh, podcast, and he was asking, wouldn't ABS be considered the best filament for auto parts where high heats uh, is, damn it. (laughs) I should have uh, enlarged my window before. Um where, uh, so he's asking, wouldn't ABS be considered the best filament for auto parts where high heats is an environmental factor? Um, yeah.
0: Yes. V- v- very simple answer. Yes. Um, out of those two, out of PTG and ABS. Yeah. ABS so is definitely p- the better option. Yeah.
1: ABS is usually usable up to 100 degrees. It's getting really soft at 105 110 degrees uh so that's a good choice if if it is an external part in your car use asa because it's more uv resistant yeah, um or and
0: polycarbonates those sort of materials yeah.
1: yeah totally usable there and already ap- um, applied today in in car manufacturing
0: ABS is still one of the one of the most common parts, whether that's uh, straight ABS, ABS PC or PC ABS, uh, ABS plus fibers, that entire group. Um, and I guess the, the good thing about ABS is it doesn't change when exposed to heat. It doesn't uh, crystallize. It doesn't do any of those things. It just stays the same. So it gets exposed to that heat, it cools back down, and it's the exact same
1: plastic as before. Mm. It's just getting a little bit soft and deformed.
0: Well if yeah, yeah. If if there are no major loads applied to, to it, yeah, then yeah, but, but also um what are what are bumpers made out of? Are they are they ABS or are they some other P something?
1: I don't know if polypropylene is maybe also used in some applications because it's more deformable, is is a little bit softer. Um there aren't many cars. Around today anymore, where you really have these black bumpers? Um, well,
0: they're still all plastic, right? They're or still all plastic. Painted.
1: Yeah. I gotta check that. Um, would be interesting it? to know. Yeah, PP
0: apparently, uh, according to the Bumper uh, <laughs> <laughs> PP is being used. PUR is so a polyurethane is also used. PVC, ABS, poly. Well, every, they why are they listing? They're just literally Okay, whatever. They're, they're listing every <laughs> single polymer. <apartment>. Okay. <laughs> worthless but yeah um to conclude that question yes abs is 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 an excellent material for auto parts definitely and last question for today uh why don't you guys use davinci resolve for video editing it's great we got we got suckered into adobe
1: yeah i have (laughs) been using adobe premiere for the last 15 or even 20 years oh
0: that's okay yeah i did my my... experience doesn't go quite as far
1: back no i did my first like like editing things back when i was 13 14 uh, also i was using
0: windows movie maker back then (laughs) which is by the way great software (laughs) just doesn't do a lot
1: for simple things yes uh yeah so i have been using it for ages and this was the reason why I also bought myself Adobe Premiere or the, not the whole uh, Creative Cloud when, when I was starting YouTube. It's, yeah. yeah. If, if, if you're changing your, your tool chain, it's always such an effort. But to be honest, I only use like 10% of the features or even less that uh, Premiere is offering. So uh, a more simple tool, might might be a thing yeah but then
0: again davinci the, the resolve isn't isn't a, a simpler tool it does most of the things that premiere does um actually so if you look at well color especially davinci resolve usually or originally was a was a color tool so just all the stuff that's coming into premiere now where it's you can do uh hue over hue curves or, or hue versus saturation those sort of things that's always been in premier in in Davinci resolve it's been great for that so right now premiere is playing catch up with resolve and not the other way around um, and've I've actually been thinking about switching to resolve just because I mean it the 60 bucks a month isn't isn't horrible but it, it does add up and I'm not always totally happy with premiere either mm. um, but like you said switching over is hard I've got all my plugins for for Premiere I'd have to rebuy all of those um, I know my workflows. I know how to export to Audition, which I also use for every single video I do. Audio processing uh, in Audition, and it, uh, it would be extra steps out of Resolve to get you know a WAV file out and then use. Uh, I mean, if I if I need Audition, I'm still gonna have to pay for the Creative Cloud, so I'd have to use. Um, you can use Audacity. Audacity, but then again, Audacity doesn't do. Well, I guess it does most of the things. Noise yeah. removal, I guess.
1: <laughs> but you're also probably using a, a Photoshop and, I don't know, Lightroom maybe.
0: True, it's just true. a
1: nice a nice set of tools. It's yeah. it's expensive, but...
0: Uh, yeah, I well, I do use Photoshop, but I don't need Photoshop. I could use GIMP just as well. GIMP does everything I, I need out of Photoshop.
1: <sighs> I, I always use it from time... Well, we have it at work uh, because it's free. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I just don't really, uh, I don't really get along with it.
0: <laughs> it's a different, it, it it requires a bit of a different mindset. But yeah. I started out using mostly GIMP in my, oh, how old was it? Oh, crap. That was, that was 10 years ago. Huh! first business with a, with a buddy. We were uh, building PCs and all the graphics I, I made for that were done in GIMP. Um, <laughs> and I got along with it just fine.
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah what if. if- whatever you used to.
0: Absolutely, but if you're if you're looking for video editing software that you you want to start out with, don't start out with uh, with Premiere. Start out with DaVinci because it's free and, you know, if you need the the more capable version, it's just like a what 220 bucks upgrade to a 8K workflow and whatnot. Yeah, use it. It's it's great. It does so many things that you know, uh Premiere maybe doesn't even do. So, yeah. If 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 I were to start again, I would definitely be using
1: Resolve. All right, and I think that concludes it for today. Yeah, thanks, much for your time.
0: We, we we've done it we've done it again <laughs> yeah
1: and we are just at the hour mark
0: or are we ah. mark? oh did you hit record too late i'm at an hour and nine minutes yeah, yeah that's probably fine. not gonna be quite as long but yes <laughs> thanks everyone for for stopping by again thank you for watching listening uh stefan are we already on spotify
1: no we still okay. need to exchange the jingle in the wave files uh all oh, right podcast yeah, files. yeah because that's uh, epidemic
0: sound and the licensing but they, they they said it was okay yeah epidemics i've got written confirmation from epidemic sound so should just be maybe it it's that.
1: The easier thing to just yeah add the new jingle and then we're fine Remember. and i've just noticed that i have a new app on my phone which is called uh, google podcast play podcast is there i don't know if i there... just didn't 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 notice it before
0: is uh, it part of Google Play Music,
1: maybe? Could be the case, uh, since I have the the premium subscription. Well, anyways. Yeah, not on Spotify on yet. Uh, are are check- we on Google? Didn't check that. <laughs> Somebody right. was complaining that it uh, that it didn't properly load in some Google player. I'll check that out later.
0: Yeah, um, definitely let us know if you're still missing from various places. But the goal is to be just on every single platform out there. <laughs> Maximum <Perfect>. availability. <laughs> All right. See you again in two weeks. And yeah. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.